morning, church. Um, we're going to read from Daniel 2, verses 17 through 30. <clears throat> then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to his friends, to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, so that they might seek compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and might belong to him, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. Even now you have made known to me what we sought from you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me before the king, and I will declare the interpretation to the king. Then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery about which the king is asking, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners, are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the last days. This was your dream and your visions of your head while on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turned to what would happen in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will happen. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me by any wisdom, which is in me more than in any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your hearts. Good morning. How are you today, church? Good. Good. I am good. So uh, if you don't know me, my name is uh, Pastor James. And Ernesto is over at the Mouse House today, so I'm filling in. Um, so glad to be here today. Um, like John said, it's awesome seeing my wife up here. Uh, that was my wife, Amanda. She had her internal organs start screaming at her last week and um, got really angry at each other and ended up having surgery just last week. And so she already is moving around, has gone back to work earlier this week, and I yelled at her for it. <laughs> but... She already went back to work and everything. So thank you for praying for us. Thank you for keeping her in your prayers and just during that crazy, crazy time. So we are in Daniel. We've been studying Daniel for a few weeks now. Uh, we've been talking about Daniel and who he is and sharing his story. And uh, first thing I want to tell you today is that today's sermon is very dangerous. And we're going to get to why in just a few moments. But Let's get some context. Let's go backwards a little bit. Let's figure out where Daniel is, right? Let's figure out what's going on. So here is Daniel and his friends, and they're in a foreign land. They're aliens in their land, right? Here are four God-loving, 
God-fearing men who have been taken from their homes, taken from everything that they know, taken away from their family, taken away from their friends, taken away from their land to this foreign land. And they have to learn the ways of Babylon. They have to learn the ways of King Nebuchadnezzar. And from here on out, because that is a long tongue, tongue twister of a name, I'm going to say King Neb, all right? Everything that Daniel and his friends have known has changed. Daniel and his friends now have become wise men in King Nebuchadnezzar's court. Daniel and his friends were sought after by the king because they were smart, they were good-looking, and they knew their stuff. So, why would I say at the very beginning of the sermon that this sermon is dangerous? Well, I named the sermon God Reveals. God Reveals. Because when we are asking for God to reveal, sometimes that can be very dangerous. Sometimes that can be very uncomfortable. Because when we start asking for God to reveal, sometimes we don't always like what he has to reveal to us. It's kind of like praying for patience and asking and getting something to be patient about. Sometimes, very often, when we ask for God's revelation, it's not what we want, but what He wants. So that's why today's sermon is very dangerous. In times of turmoil, in times of hurt, in times of uncertainty, or even in times when things are getting overly comfortable, God's revelation will be done. Church, we experience hurt and pain in our lives. We live in a world where there is hurt, where there's sin, where we're going to experience pain. Church, we live in a world where we're going to experience turmoil. Church, we live in a world where we will experience darkness. We live in a world where people will hurt us. Let me tell you right now that God's revelation can be done in all of that. Or, even church, when we are starting to get a little too comfortable in life, when we're living day to day, when we're living life like we're just coasting on by, and things are too comfortable, sometimes... Church, God's revelation can change all of that. So that's why today's sermon can be very dangerous. So here in this story in Daniel, when Daniel needed a miracle, God revealed himself. God reveals himself when Daniel needs him most at this time. Let's talk about today what he reveals. First off, God reveals his will. God's will, here in the story of Daniel, 
was revealed to Daniel, but for a very, very specific reason. Daniel needed to go and share God's will with King Nebuchadnezzar, with King Neb. King Neb had this dream. He had no idea what was going on. He had this dream. He just knew it meant something. He knew something was going on, that this isn't right. So he had gone out to all of his sorcerers. He had gone out to all of his magicians. He had gone out to all of his astrologers and says, tell me what this dream means. Now, King Neb was a smart man. He's a smart man because all these astrologers and all these magicians and sorcerers and all this, they're like, well, King Neb, if, if you only tell us what the dream was, we'll tell you what it meant. Nah, we're not going to do that, right? He says, you tell me my dream and you tell me what that means because he knew he would, they would just give him whatever that he wanted to hear. But they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. So a decree had gone out that King Nebuchadnezzar was going to then kill off all of the wise men, all of the astrologers, all the magicians, all the sorcerers. But wait a second, this is including these four new wise men. So Daniel had a purpose for sharing God's will with King Neb. Well, church, in times when we need answers, when we need answers in our own lives, we like to run to a lot of things that aren't God. Just like King Neb had done. I mean, he's a pagan king. He doesn't know any better. Right? But he had gone off to, to all these different sources to try to figure out God's will. Church, I'm here to tell you right now that a lot of times we do the same exact thing. We go to a lot of different sources before we go to God to figure out His will in our lives. A lot of times that's people. Now, I'm not saying that seeking good biblical counsel is wrong. That's a good thing. I have a few guys in my life that I run to and I I seek their counsel, but I know those men are Christians and God-fearing men. But I've already gone to God before I went to them. But sometimes when we're experiencing problems in our lives, when we're experiencing trying to figure out God's will, we run off and we try to seek counsel from from, uh, our parents or our friends or co-workers or or this or that before we even go to God. He is the all-knowing, the omnipotent, the omniscient, God, and we don't go to Him first. When we're experiencing issues in our lives, when we're experiencing turmoil, when we're facing uncertainty, when we're trying to figure out God's will, church, I'm here to tell you that we need to run to the source. We need to go to the Savior. We need to go, no, to, go to the God who knows it all that can tell us what is happening. Other times, we like to run to things that numb our minds. One of these, right, our cell phones. Or streaming hours and hours and hours of TV shows. Things that will just numb everything in our minds so we don't have to think about what God's will is. Instead of running to God, we like to try to numb our minds with our phones or, or with this or with that or with alcohol or with drugs. Right? We try to numb everything so that we don't have to focus on what God is trying to tell us. 
So I'm here to say right now that when we're facing God's will in our lives, run to the source. Run to Him and try to figure out what He is trying to say. And listen. Listen to Him. And I say this all the time, but it's not like God is going to speak to you in like the Homer voice, right? Homer, right? No. He doesn't speak to us like that. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit and He's going to give you counsel. He's going to give you guidance. He's going to speak into your life only if you let Him. Open up your hearts to what His will is in your life. I want to show you the ultimate running to God here in Luke 22.42. Luke 22.42 says this. And Jesus here is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, saying, Father, if you are willing Remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. Here we see our Savior, our, our Christ, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and in so much pain and so much agony that he's sweating droplets of blood, saying, Lord, Father, I know what's about to happen. His manhood comes out here a little bit and says, I don't want this to happen. But Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. He's about to experience pain. He's about to experience agony. He's about to experience just being up on the cross naked for all, all, everybody to see. But yet he says, not my will, but thy will be done. God shares his will for us if we are willing to listen. And he's, Jesus here is saying, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to follow through. Not my will, not what I want, but what you want. So I remember very clearly goodness, it's about 12, 13 years now, my call into full-time ministry and what that looked like. I remember exactly where I was. I remember exactly what I was doing. And I remember the exact words in my conversation between God and I. Uh, before I went into the ministry, I was in the hotel industry. And I absolutely loved the hotel industry for a while. I started when I was 19 years old. I started off at the front desk at a hotel in Waterford. And I loved it. I loved talking with people and getting to know people, right? And it was a great time. And so much so I had worked my way up in the business. I had gone up to be a director of sales at a hotel, and I had worked there for almost a decade. And I loved it. I really did. But at some point, I stopped loving it. At some point, I, just was, I, I remember sitting in my car as I'm driving from Livonia to Waterford, and I said, God, God, this can't be all there is to life. This can't be it. Lord, I want your will to be done in my life. Show me like this isn't all there is to life, Lord. And at the time, my wife and I were working with the middle schoolers at our church in Waterford there. And he says, you're happiest when you're with those kids. You need to be with those kids. So that was my call to full-time ministry. 
And I remember going home and telling my wife that day, and she's like, but I married a high school history teacher. <laughs> I didn't sign up to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> but she's an amazing pastor's wife. But I remember how scary that was. There's a lot of change that happened in my life after that. A lot of schooling. A lot happened after that. We, went, we, we moved from Michigan to Georgia where we knew nobody or had no family. We had no friends. It was scary. But for me in my life, my goal is not for my will to be done, but thy will to be done. Sometimes, church, that can be scary. That can be rough. That can be tough. That can be just frightening, right? But I pray, I ask for you to seek His face for His will to be done in your life. There's something right now on your heart that is being, that's on your mind, that's on your heart, that God is trying to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is trying to lead you somewhere and you're not listening. I pray right now that the encounter with God is going to be strong in your life. That He is going to show you His will for you. And he will make that so strong that you cannot stand but listen. So here, in this chapter of Daniel, we see that Daniel is not saying, well, King Neb, this is me who's telling you what your vision is. This is me telling you what, what God has revealed to me. No, he says, this is totally God's will. This is fully God's will. If you read at the end of the the passage that Amanda read, Daniel says everything that I'm about to tell you is from God. His will is going to be done here in Babylon. So number two, God reveals his mercy. So God reveals his will, but God also reveals his mercy. Daniel now is placing a lot of trust in God. Why? He's not only saving himself, he's not only saving his friends, he's saving possibly thousands of people. And it wasn't like he was called in to speak with King Nebuchadnezzar. No, he went to King Nebuchadnezzar and said, give me time to go to my God. Give me time to talk to him so that I can try to figure out what's going on. He wasn't called before the king, and him even going before the king to say this could have resulted in death. And here he's saying, let me show you God's mercy. Let God's mercy work through this situation. So when God reveals his will, we need to trust in him. It can often be very, very scary to make huge steps, but we need to trust that he will carry our burdens and see that God will show his mercy in our lives. From the very, very get-go of Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter 2, Luke 2, 45-46. Here's Jesus in the temple as a little boy. And when Mary and Joseph did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And it happened that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. From the very, very get-go of his ministry, he knew exactly what he was going to be doing. He knew exactly what was going to be happening in his life. He knew exactly that he was going to have to die on the cross. And yet from the very get-go as a boy, he knows that God's mercy is going to shine. That God's mercy is going to be for his people. 
From the very get-go of time, from the, from the Garden of Eden, from Adam and Eve who are in the garden, say, don't eat of the tree of good and evil. And yet, what do they do? They eat of the tree. God says, you will surely die if you eat of the tree. Did they die? Yeah, they, dealt a, they got died a spiritual death and not being allowed to walk through the garden with God anymore. But they were given mercy. They were given mercy and saying, I'm still going to give you life. So here in Babylon, in a pagan king, in a pagan kingdom, God's mercy will shine. Jesus here is trusting the will of his Father, trusting that his mercy was going to be shining. And third, God reveals his glory. God reveals his glory. John Piper explains God's glory like this. The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfection. Let me read that again because I stumbled in my words. The glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of God's manifold perfections. God's glory is going to shine so bright. In spite of all the evil around Babylon, in spite of everything that was going on with all the pagan gods, with all the sorcerers, with all the magicians, God's glory is still going to shine bright through Daniel and his friends. God's glory is still going to work. King Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to get to this in a few weeks, but King Nebuchadnezzar changed so much in the next few chapters. Because God's glory was going to shine bright in a very, very dark kingdom. God reveals the mysteries to this pagan king that his glory can still be alive. The revelation will be next week with Pastor Ernesto, and he'll talk more about the dream. But we're going to see, we're going to see that God's glory is still going to shine in this dark, dark kingdom. So, church, it's important for us as Christians to recognize that His glory can shine bright through any darkness. God's glory can shine very bright through any darkness in our own lives, any pain, any struggles, any suffering we have to remember that God's glory can still shine bright. We're going to be facing a crazy year this next year. we got an election coming up next year, right? I don't care if you're right or if you're left, but there's going to be a lot of fighting, there's going to be a lot of crazy, but guess what? Let God's glory shine through it all. Because God's work can still be done no matter who's in that office. God's glory will shine through all of it. If God can take this pagan king, this pagan kingdom, and make his glory stand bright, we have to remember that God can make his glory stand bright in any situation. Any situation in our own lives, any situation in our church lives, any situation in our country's lives, in our world's lives, that God's glory is going to shine bright. So facing darkness still can be hard. When we think we're following His will, 
things still get tough, sometimes we like to give up. We're like, this God, I just want to stop. I just want to give up. Let me tell you this right now. Listen to God and His glory can shine bright through it all. Don't give up. Face that darkness. Don't let that darkness envelop you and take control of you. Let God's glory stand bright. So Daniel's example is great because here we see that God is loving. That this God-fearing man still ends up, that's still ending up in slavery. But God's glory continues to show through this situation. This man who's been taken into slavery, taken from everything that he knows, everything that he owns, God's light, his brightness, his glory is still shining through every situation that they go through. So church, I'm here to tell you right now, seek God's will. No matter how hard it is, no matter how tough it is, seek God's will. Remember God's mercy. And remember to remember that God's glory is going to shine bright. Now, Pastor Ernesto, Pastor John, and myself thought this was a good time and a good sermon to uh, bring something up to everybody. So, Amanda, Lorelai, if you guys can come up for a moment. So, for a while, when I got called into ministry, when I got called into full-time ministry, um, after our first church, things got tough. Uh, our second church, I'm sorry. After a while, things got tough in our ministry. And I um, experienced some church hurt and some, some pain and some struggle. And I really didn't know the plan and the path that God had set for our family anymore. I, I didn't know what was next. I didn't know what was going to happen in our lives. And I had no direction. And it's the scariest part of my life that I've had so far when I had no direction of what was going to happen. And then God brought me here to help pastor Flint City Church and be a principal over at Center Point Christian Academy, and I've been loving it. I love being a part of this ministry, and I love being a part of, of Flint City and of the school where I'm at. Uh, but just recently, uh, within the last few months, God has um, called our family, we believe, to Alaska. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy to think about. Thank you. Um, it's really crazy to think about. It's a crazy adventure. We've never been there. We don't have really anything. We know nothing about it, about this town, about the city. Um, Amanda has a cousin not too far from there, but not, you know, not any near family or anything like that. But we do know this. Our motto as a family has always been, we don't say no to God. If God is telling us to do something, we listen. And he has made it very vividly clear in our lives the Holy Spirit has been directing this whole thing to go and be a discipleship pastor at a church in Alaska. So I thank you, church, for your prayers. I thank you for your ministry to our family and to our lives. Uh, so we'll be here for a couple more months is what it sounds like right now, and we're going to go for a visit in a couple weeks. So I want to say thank you to Flint City for letting us to be a part of your lives. Um, so let's pray, and we'll close the service today. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can stand in your presence to worship you, Lord. We thank you for the example of Daniel. 
showing your will that was done there in the city of Babylon, in the kingdom there, Lord, that you, you, through all the issues, through all the troubles, through all the darkness, that your will still shine bright. Lord, we pray that we take that example and put it into our own lives. Lord, that if your will is speaking, is that we listen. Lord, we pray for your glory to shine bright in our lives. We pray for your glory to shine bright in our church's lives. We pray for your glory to shine bright in our communities, Lord. So as we go out into this world, Lord, when we experience darkness, we pray that you work. In your Son's name we pray, Lord. Amen.